Hey guys, Danny here. Welcome to Create Good, a podcast where I chat with creatives from all different industries on how they're using social media to make the world a better place. Welcome back to another episode of Create Good Podcast. I took a couple weeks off. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I live in New York City usually. And with everything going on in the world, I needed a little bit of time to just kind of figure out what I was doing. Um, I'm now doing this recording from Arizona. But I'm so excited to bring you guys a little bit of distraction Uh, in the form of this conversation with DJ Shauna. She is an amazing new internet friend I have. She's also the DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks. She's a former professional basketball player and just an overall badass. This was a great conversation where we touched on kind of how she got to where she was going and where she is now and a little bit more about her dare to be movement which you know is so important in times like these where people bringing positivity to the forefront so i really hope you guys enjoy this conversation please let me know what you think on instagram and let's get into it so thank you so much for taking the time to you know out of your day to sit down with me thank you i'm honored for the listeners that don't know who you are, can you give them a little bit of backstory of like who you are, where you come from and how you got here? Sure. Thank you. First of all, you're so sweet. And I feel, um, really lucky that our worlds have collided. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity and I love continuing to follow your adventures and learn more about you. And it's, it's really, it's an honor to be here. So I am Shauna Nichols. Some people know me as DJ Shauna. Um, I think that's probably how you kind of know me, but I'm from Mm -hmm. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've kind of lived all over the place. I played division one collegiate basketball at the university of Wisconsin, Madison. I went on and played professional basketball after somewhat of like a goofy sort of non-normative career and graduated as a 26 year old with my master's in communication. And then I made it as a professional athlete overseas. Um, And then I have been DJing for, I think, 15 years now. Um, And I've been in what uh, our industry sort of refers to as live entertainment, meaning um, sporting events, mostly, Mm -hmm. yeah, sporting events, events, um, as a professional DJ and MC for four years now. Um, I've worked with Marquette University Women's Basketball, the Big East uh, Tournament, Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament, Pac-12 Women's Basketball Tournament. I'm the Women's Final Four official DJ and host, as well as and the Wisconsin Badgers. I've worked with my my alma mater, as well as I am currently. Uh, yeah, I guess I could say currently, right? Um, <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks official DJ and producer. So it's been a wild ride. That's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, that's quite a resume. That's quite a resume. Thank you. So uh, professional basketball player. Yeah. Like not only do you achieve something of like playing in basketball in college, which that in itself, I don't, I don't think people really appreciate the level that you have to be at in order to have that opportunity. Um, but then not only that, then you take it and you go international and professional with it. Uh, <laughs> have you always like, were you a young basketball player? Did you start young? Yeah. How did that? 
Yeah. How did you get into that? It's a good question. It was, uh, I, I joke a lot about coming out of the womb with a basketball in my hand, which my mom, (laughs) yeah, which my mom cringes at. Exactly. Um, so I got lucky because I think I, I had the passion as long as I can remember there are pictures of me as a, a little goober running around with a basketball bigger than the size of my head. And, um, I never, it's kind of a funny, maybe a little bit tidbit. I never have had a basketball hoop in my driveway or at my house. Um, but I could dribble. That's all I could do is like, I could just dribble really, really well. So I, um, I'm five, nine, five, nine and a half. And which is tall for a division one point guard, but I could handle the ball pretty well. That was probably my biggest strength as well as Mm -hmm. then like being able to pass and play some defense. And so, um, scoring didn't come to me later until later on in life, but, um, I really, I just loved, I loved it. I loved basketball a lot. And, um, my dad played in high school and, um, he's a taller guy. He's probably like six, four, six, five, but I was the first of my family to like finish college, much less get like a division one scholarship. So I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever. (laughs) And it was just always, thanks. It was always, um, I dream of mine. I'm aging myself a little bit when I tell you that um, I wanted to be the first woman in the W or excuse me, in the NBA, because at the time when I was a kid, the WNBA didn't exist. And really? Yeah. I'm that old. (laughs) Do you mind me asking how old you are? Because you do not look. Thanks. When did the WNBA come out? I think, uh, you know, we'd have to fact check this, but I want to say there have been two leagues and I want to say the current WNBA has been around for 20 years. So I'm 37, which I have a hard time admitting. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, it didn't exist. And, um, yeah, I got funny stories about that, that we could talk about it another time, but it was just something that I always wanted to do. And I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to do it. I just knew I loved it. So I had a ball in my hands as often as I could. And I slept with a basketball for a little while, which was (laughs) kind of weird. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that I've ever admitted that publicly but well, it's, it's out there it's now, out there we now. All know. Yep. hopefully gary v hears that one um <laughs> or d-rock i'd prefer d-rock to hear that um i'm pretty sure d-rock still sleeps with his camera oh perfect see d-rock gets it you get it right like i was passionate about it i just i slept i had i would wake up with the basketball marks on my face like it was that serious wow. yeah that's that's a passion like for being so young yeah like I I was a basketball player but it was because I was I'm six foot so oh you're tall I was tall yeah yeah I'm pretty tall and you know it was one of those like you're tall you can do this right but I never really had like the passion yeah that you're describing and it's really cool to see like I was on a team full of people that had that kind of like passion about it so it's really cool to listen to someone that knew at such a young age that's something you wanted to do. Thanks. What, it doesn't what mean I was of, good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean, get it twisted. Player, I'm pretty sure you were good. I, I mean, I, I think I was mostly stubborn. So I just, I, I outworked uh, my talent. Wow. So I think. Love that. Yeah, honestly. That. So, I mean, we talked about that before on when we, I had mm-hmm. you as a guest on my podcast was that, um, that's, it just, I, I maxed out, I think like on my talent, but I just continued to work and I just needed one person to say yes. As, when I was trying to play pro mm-hmm. and I, I refused 
literally refused to give uh, anyone like tell me I couldn't do it. People said I couldn't do it, but I just refused to listen. Maybe that's a better way to say it. No, I love that. Like, I mean, honestly, I think that's a lesson a lot of people could take from life is that you can just buckle down and work harder. You can always work harder. You may not always get better, but you can always work harder. I love that. Thank you. What did you play overseas? Uh, like location? Where was I? Ge- yeah, where did you play? I was. I, I spent a little bit of time in Germany, and I mostly was in uh, Holland. I was in a town as uh, an American. We would call Groningen. It's pronounced Groningen. It's in the very, oh very, very northern part of Holland, which was like a two, two and a half hour train ride from Amsterdam. And wow. um, incredible, beautiful town. I feel like I they uh, just wrapped their arms around me. And I became part Dutch, uh, you know, in living there. And I feel like I'm Dutch now. And it was an incredible experience, honestly. And I got to see the entire country. Granted, you could drive north to south uh, of Holland in like three hours and east to west in three. So it didn't take long to see the whole country, but it was, it's stunning. And it was, it's a, it's crazy to have been paid to play basketball and travel around Holland. (laughs) That's so cool. Thank you. Um, so what, what made the, so now you're a DJ yeah. and you're killing it in that arena. Thank you. And what made that jump? Where did, how did you go from basketball to music? Great question. So they kind of overlapped for a little while. And so the goofy part of the story was when I was actually a junior at Wisconsin in my true junior year, academically, as well as, um, athletically, I was actually medically redshirted for too many concussions, which, um, oh. means our medical staff at Wisconsin said that it was too dangerous for me to play basketball at the time because I was getting too many concussions and, uh, post scrappy. Uh, yeah, it took a lot of charges. And again, I, I mean, you're from Iowa, right? Like, you know, the big 10, yep. like I was, yep. I was tiny in the big 10, tiny. Yeah. And, wow. um, so I, I graduated undergrad from Wisconsin in four years. So I still technically had two years of eligibility left and mm-hmm. I was in the real world for another two years in which I kind of was like crazy lost. And that's where DJing started. So, um, I was hanging out with a bunch of peers at the time and, uh, throughout my whole life, I've actually never drank alcohol or done drugs. So some people like ever, never, I've never, like, no, good for you. thanks. Um, I have, I have to put a disclaimer on there. I was born and raised Catholic. And so I have drank church wine before, and I think it tastes <laughs> like grape juice. So it could have been grape juice at most times because yep, I think yep. we had an alcoholic priest throughout a lot of my childhood. So I think that's a true story. The confessional wine. Yeah. That's so dark. I love that. That's a script. Um, so yeah, I was hanging out after Wisconsin, literally trying to figure my life out without basketball. And I was uh, cutting grass at a local golf course, which I absolutely loved that job. It was like a tiny nine hole part, like par three little golf course. I was, um, in school to be an EMT training to be a firefighter. And, um, I was also then at that time, like working out and getting in a a bunch of basketball leagues and just playing as much as, as I could. Um, and it was just trying to sort of like figure everything out. Um, sorry, I lost my, my train of thought. You're good. Um, oh yeah. So I was hanging out with peers, uh, my age. And I didn't, because I didn't drink, I kind of 
was really uncomfortable in social situations like that. And people would get uncomfortable if I didn't have a drink in my hand. And so, um, I just really like started DJing and that's kind of where it all started. And so I ultimately ended up being able to go back to school and finish with my master's and finish out my two years of eligibility, which put me at the 26 year old. Oh, cool. So throughout like that timeline, I was still DJing just not professionally. Mm. It was more of a hobby, kind of like something to do again, to hang out with my peers, make some cash on the weekends. And then my friends had a designated driver and they knew the DJ. Uh-huh. So, uh, went overseas and once my professional career sort of came to an end, I then found that, um, I had to kind of like reached my timeline, I guess, expiration date as a basketball player. And I started DJing in bars and clubs pretty much, I would say full-time four to six nights a week. And, um, that's kind of where it all snowballed from there. Wow. That's so cool. So have you always been musical? Like you were into basketball or was it legitimately like you were starting at zero when you started DJing nights and weekends? That's a good question. I played piano when I was a kid, but if you put a piano in front of me right now, I could probably (laughs) play like, uh, like three blind mice. So, um, or Yankee doodle or something, you know, like whatever. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would, when you look back on it, like in high school, again, I'm dating myself. I made our warm up tapes and CDs and the same thing mm-hmm. in college. So it was always a part of that. And I was, I was that kid growing up that I just, I loved music. And I grew up in a house okay. that I grew up with parents that just both of them had extremely eclectic music tastes. And it was, it was really cool. And I think it, it still helps me today as a DJ because I feel like my catalog mm-hmm. in my brain is just so expansive. Um, well, and I feel like that makes the best DJs is the one Thanks. that, you know, you walk into a party and you get the same genre of music all night. You're going to eventually be like, I'm out. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm um, a true open awesome. format. Thank you. Thanks. So I keep seeing open format yeah. all over uh, your bio and stuff. What does that mean with DJing? Just that, that I play everything from Fleetwood Mac oh, okay. to Backstreet Boys to Beatles and ACDC and so trying to have a catalog, if you were to put like Spotify or whatever you listen to music on, or back in the day, your iPod on shuffle, it, it's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of that. And it's, I think okay. a part of the talent comes with reading the crowd and then knowing maybe what's, I don't want to say needed, but what'll make sense next. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you read a crowd? So when you're at a party and you're, do you have entirely, like, do you have set templates that you start with and then you move into something? Or is it like you look around and you're like, okay, this is the demographic. How do you kind of, how do you read a crowd? It's a good, is it just that? It's a, yeah, that's a, it, it's a great question. And we could talk about all the scenarios, I think, and stereotypes, but I think DJing has taught me anything. It's that music is universal um, mm-hmm. crowds that you would think wouldn't sing to hardcore rap. I've had dancing and singing and twerking to hardcore yeah. rap and vice versa for Backstreet Boys, um, or EDM. And so that's what I think is beautiful about music is really, there's no rules. And, um, I think the genres themselves, they all sort of like even blend together, especially I think with mm-hmm. how, where music's going, um, lines are being crossed, you know, country and hip hop are fusing and, 
um, you know, pop. This is the last two genres I ever thought were going to come together and they, they work pretty well. Yeah. No crap. Right. Like, and like, I mean, I remember, um, again, I'm dating myself, but Nelly had an album and he had a song with Tim McGraw on it. And this was years ago. Um, I remember that. So you're not dating yourself. I'm I'm only six years younger than you, but like, you know, yeah. you're not dating yourself. I remember that okay. song. But I was in, I think I was in college. I definitely was in Madison because I remember where I was when I would listen to it on my CD player over and over again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think some of it is is gut. It's instinctual. The best way for me I can describe it is I feel it comes back to me being a point guard. Um, and I describe mm-hmm. it as that point guard feeling, like looking at what's in front of me and like reading and reacting, responding. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have, I don't think I have an ego when it comes to me being a DJ. It's not about mm-hmm. me and what I want to play and what I want to hear. I genuinely as a human and as a DJ love to make people happy. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And I think the, the interesting thing that I kind of noticed throughout my research is that you did go from like a point guard to, you know, a master's in communication is not an easy feat. Thanks. So like something like that into DJing, like you are very, you seem to be the type of person that can like look at something from a bird's eye view and kind of make sense of it. And that seems to have trickled through your life, which I found really interesting. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's cool totally. insight. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell me more about Dare to Be. Yeah. Where did that come from? What is that? I love that. Thank you for asking. Um, so about four years ago when I started, maybe over four years ago, like maybe four and a half, five, when I had been DJing in bars and clubs, for, like I said, um, four to six nights a week, I started to miss my family. And I just, I started to kind of lose the heart in it. And it just didn't make sense for me. Um, and I, 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 I remember like literally looking myself in the mirror and saying, there has to be something else out there. And, um, I had set some goals for myself and honestly, social media became like the best blueprint for me to find mentors that I, that probably have no idea that I utilized what they were doing as motivation or inspiration or blueprint to continue to set goals and figure out the next steps. And I was looking at these DJs that were doing things that I wanted to do. And that's when I learned about um, live entertainment and DJs um, at in the NBA, DJs at All-Star Game, DJs in NFL and football games and UW Badger games. And but like high school basketball games have DJs now. Like once you know that DJs are de- like where they are, you're never going to not see us. Um, <laughs> Victoria's Secret has DJs. Like Nordstrom's will have yeah. DJs. We're like we're everywhere. Um and so I wanted to figure out a way to get out of the bar and club every single night sort of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And one of the goals was I wanted, I realized the DJs that I deemed successful had something else attached to them. And in no way am I saying that I am going to be Tiesto, but that was who I was kind of one of the DJs I was looking at. He was the best in the world at the mm-hmm. time. And he had, um, he has his, his name Tiesto as a logo, but then he also has, um, this other logo that is, um, a bird like figure. And it really resonated with me because when you, when you see it, if I think you're in the DJ world, you recognize it. You're like, Oh yeah, that's Tiesto. Um, I don't know what else it means to him, 
I just, it was the first time I recognized having two different logos. And that's when I decided I didn't want to just plaster DJ Shauna on Mm t-shirts and I didn't want to just plaster DJ Shauna on hats. And I didn't want it to just be about me. What I have learned as being an athlete was that if you have a platform utilizing it for good. So I wanted something that was bigger than me also recognizing that I wasn't, and I'm not going to DJ for the rest of my life. I don't think Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a 75 year old DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll see. Who knows? I think that would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We will see. We can check back in in what, three years? Just kidding. Um, (laughs) But so I wanted something that was bigger than me. And that's where Dare to Be really came from. And it's really to inspire people to be their best selves. Um, Sometimes it's selfish. Uh, Sometimes I need a little boost. But um, Dare to Be has now like embodied numerous aspects of my world. But that's like the overall umbrella concept of dare to be. I left it open-ended because I want you, I want whoever's listening to this to take dare to be and make it your own. So today I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm daring to be like strong today. I needed that today. Mm -hmm. Um, and tomorrow it might be dare to be silly or dare to be creative or dare to be, um, any like resilient, whatever it, it changes Mm -hmm. on the regular for me, doesn't matter throughout the day, but that's kind of where dare to be came from and what it means. So why did you go with, I I love the idea of encouraging people to kind of come out and be themselves authentically. Why, why the terminology dare to be like, why that phrasing? Cause I think when I think of a dare, I think, you know, you're, you're pushing someone to do it, maybe uh, leveraging something against it. Yeah. I, Is there a reason behind that or, you know, uh, that's the first time I've ever been asked that I think, and pretty candidly <laughs> when I was in grad school, I had started doing studies on, uh, clothing lines. So I've always wanted to have a clothing line. And so my grad school was relatively young and most of the the research that I did actually was around LGBTQ community as well as like fashion, which mm-hmm. for me made sense at the time. It was completely different than anything I had studied in undergrad and I loved it. It was just, it was so cool to be able to just delve into this. And I was reading something, honestly, like a peer um, reviewed paper for a project that I was working on. And in a sentence, I read Dare to Be. And I can't remember what came before or what came after it, but I immediately went on GoDaddy and I bought a bunch of websites and I bought, I made a Facebook page. So I started at the time so I was maybe like 26, I started a dare to be great Facebook page. And that's kind of where I was going with things for a while. And when hashtags became a thing, then I was, I was utilizing that. So it's something that just kind of came out of nowhere and really like punched me in the chest. Um, Mm -hmm. I liked what it, what it made me feel. And then, um, at that four year ago, Mark, one of those goals for me was to get a booking agent or a manager. And so when I started working with my manager, now one of my dear friends, Chad, um, and I told him about dare to be great. Uh, it was kind of, we were talking through things and it just didn't make sense to just have it dare to be great. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think frankly, the website was taken, So (laughs) that's how we truncated it and came up with a concept that made even more sense to me. And it just kind of evolved into then dare to be. I love that. Thanks. And 
I honestly, I'd love for you to kind of unpack what you were, you kind of mentioned like clothing and LGBTQ and communication and kind of how that came about. Yeah. Is that vertical in Dare to Be or is it kind of something that is always there, but necessi- isn't necessarily the driving force? Where did that kind of fall into it? That's a good question. I think um, that's an interesting way to ask it too. Um, so I think the idea itself, I would, I think there to be is an overlying factor on, on mm-hmm. a couple of the following things. So one, I do identify as gay and I am very fortunate to have grown up in a house in a like an extended family that loved me despite mm-hmm. the fact that I was born and raised Catholic. Um, my home and my family have always always, always loved me for me and never made me feel like I couldn't be myself. I, you know, mm-hmm. I had a normal childhood and I think my mom always jokes, I think my little brother, and I say little, he's only four years younger than me, but he probably knew I was gay before I did. And, um, yeah, I'd always joke about, I wish somebody would have told me cause it would have made my teenage years way easier. <laughs> So yep, yeah, yeah. Hey, little brother could have shared that info with me. So, um, I mean, I think there to be, I think that could be a parallel. Like that's just who I am, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not on purpose, frankly. I'll be mm-hmm. very honest. Um, that like, I didn't, it's just part of who I am. Like that the not on purpose part isn't meant to sound negative because no, actually I kind of love that though. (laughs) I love that it's an open-ended idea and it's not on purpose, but you know, I think open-ended and not on purpose kind of live together in the sense of you're giving people the right to do and be who they are. And it's not on purpose. It just is who they are. Right. Gay, straight in whatever, however people identify. And so Mm-hmm. that thought when I was coming up with there to be, wasn't because I had a hard time as a kid coming out or uh, that I didn't have a family that, mm-hmm. you know, did all of these things that so many other people unfortunately go through. That wasn't, that's not how my brain works. I'm very lucky, mm-hmm. but, um, it is a part of who I am. So I think it's somewhat instilled in there, if you will. And then I'm obviously, um, a, a small child and love superheroes. And so, you know, I'm sure we, like, if you wanted my therapist to jump on here, we could unpack a lot of things. <laughs> oh, great. So Create Good is a new podcast. We don't have any sponsorships right now. Uh, we're really excited to eventually add those and allow us to bring more content to you guys. But for this mid-roll spot, every week I want to take the time to showcase a nonprofit or a movement that's doing good in the world that maybe wouldn't have the money to sponsor a podcast or isn't focused on that. Just get the word out. So this week, in light of everything going on in the world, I am spotlighting the United Way of New York City. The United Way is a nonprofit that is all over the world or all over the country And they have food banks and financial resources available to people in their community. The specific, you know, we all know that New York has been hit so hard with the COVID-19 issue that I really wanted to specifically reach out to this nonprofit and spotlight these guys because they're 
really bringing resources to children, teachers, families, wherever they can in New York City to provide financial support and food and distribution resources, which is so vital right now. Um, Great organization. If you're in New York or you're interested in supporting within New York, uh, we'll have on the website or on our Instagram at Create Good Podcast a resource for you to be able to donate to them. They did not sponsor this in any way. It's just us shouting out the good they're doing in the world. And if you're in a community that has been hit hard with COVID, which obviously I believe most of the United States like has been hit pretty hard, uh, definitely check out the United Way. Check out all of the nonprofits that are doing good in your area and donate however you can. Obviously, there are many Americans that have been affected financially and otherwise. So whatever you can, if you can, if you're lucky enough to have um, a situation where you're just staying at home and maybe you have a work from home situation, I encourage you to um, support as much as you can. Thank you guys so much. And again, if you want to donate, there is a slide on our highlights on at create good podcasts on Instagram where you can donate to the United Way of New York City. Otherwise, there are plenty of other options in your local community that you can donate as well. So uh, lots of love and let's get back to the episode. In the long term, like you have a podcast, you have a clothing line. Where do you see Dare to Be going? Do you what is what is your goals? That's a great question. Um, I I I so yeah I have um, my Dare to Be Conversations podcast. I have Dare to Be Clothing. This is great. You should definitely go check it out. Thank you. We'll link it up below. Yeah, and check out Dania Aussie. I don't know if you've heard of her, but if you haven't, <laughs> you should totally listen to to her on my podcast. One of the best interviews I think you have such a radio voice. Oh. Like I don't know if you know that, but like. I was like, wow, I don't sound anything like that when I podcast. I, I think you're sweet for saying that. I hate listening to myself. And uh, so thank you. I uh, yeah. It's taught me actually one of my favorite things is to be a better listener. And I I don't know that I'm a great interviewer, but I love listening. And because I hate it mm-hmm. when I feel like I'm not being listened to, it hurts my feelings. Yeah. And so I love listening to people and their stories and you made it very easy. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you yeah. but um yeah so tell me more about your podcast how did that ah, you know sure from the audio world dj podcasts like where did that come from um yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i think um i'm not sure when when this episode will post but i think we can talk about the like covid19 and coronavirus being yeah. pretty relevant with this right now was yeah this will probably go up sooner rather than later just because it is contextually okay cool yeah. So I think now is just a great example on, I currently don't have a job. Um, all of my gigs for the foreseeable future have been canceled. And oh. I think in looking at the bigger picture of things, which I think again, dare to be sort of encompassed was after realizing when I had basketball taken away from me that I defined myself solely as a basketball player and going through mm-hmm. this somewhat of a realization process and understanding that I'm so much more than an athlete to quote LeBron James. Um, I wanted to be so much more than quote, just a DJ. And, yeah. um, it kind of came back to having a platform and using it for good. And I like to make people smile and feel good and feel important. And, uh, 
that sounds like all gushy and cliche, but I generally like making people happy. Um, Mm -hmm. so the podcast came out of kind of nowhere. I had a really good friend of mine open, um, a network, a podcast network in Milwaukee here. And they, they threw a show idea at me. So I had one failed podcast and it was a great idea. Um, I was a co-host and it just, it just didn't work out, which is totally great. I learned a lot. I was on, um, the woman I co-hosted with is a, as in the professional radio world. So I learned a lot from her and it was incredible. And I learned a lot about then like the tech side and you just, you learn so much, right? Like you think you just Mm -hmm. record things, but then you have to figure out like, how do you post it and tag it? And where do you post it? And what do you tag it with? And like, I don't know. Right. right? Like so many things. So I came up with another idea and it was for me to dare to be conversations. Um, it's just, it's just me and usually one other person, if not two, but, um, it's the first time in my, maybe my life as a, as a, in the professional world that I've had a space where I can invite somebody else and feel like I have like something to offer instead of feeling like, uh, I'm a DJ and I need to DJ at your bar. Can you, would you let me kind of thing? Like asking for something. Um, so it was the first time I felt like I had something again to offer and to have a space for other, to invite other people in to share their stories. And I have absolutely fallen in love with it. Um, Mm -hmm. and everybody that I have on, I think I told you this for lack of a better phrase, I'm like attracted to in some capacity. So it's like people that hustle for again, lack of a better phrase, but people that just have cool stories. And I think we all have stories and whether I meet them because they tweet that they want to be on a podcast and I respond, Daniel, (laughs) come on my podcast or people in Milwaukee or people I meet through traveling with the NCA or, or whatever it may be. Um, it's been so cool for me, um, to literally be able to like open that door, open that microphone and give somebody, um, that, 30 to 60 minutes to share their story and share it with the world. Um, That's really cool. Thanks. And I totally agree with you. I think there's something really uh, refreshing about being able to, you know, we all, all we hear about is the democratization of the internet. Like you can go straight to the audience with your voice. You don't have to go through gatekeepers or people, but I think, how you say like you're attracted to someone that you talk to, you have to have that kind of rapport when you sit down with someone for a podcast, because it is such an intimate setting. It is such a, you know, you have to make people comfortable to be vulnerable. Otherwise it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so how do you kind of go about like, there's definitely I people in my life, for example, that I love dearly and I would spend all day with them if I could, but I wouldn't have them on my podcast. <laughs> How do you? <laughs> I mean, if we're being real, like yeah. no, you it's fair. You are, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's how do you kind of go about deciding and discerning? Where is that another gut chat thing? Is it something that you like? Who I have kind on of like as a guest? You, yeah. That's a cool way to look at it. I like your brain. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it's interesting, the podcast world. And I've had a lot of conversations over the last probably two weeks about this because I've been asking for feedback, which, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think because it's, it's such a popular thing right now to hop on and, and have a podcast and we all feel, you know, like we have something to share that's of value. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I do think, 
what I am doing with the people I have on is added value to our world. And it's, it abides by everything I stand by as like a human, as well as then my brand for lack of a better phrase. Um, Mm. and I think those are the questions I kind of look at when I'm, I meet somebody and sometimes, frankly, I forget, like I meet somebody, I'm like, Oh my God, they're awesome. And (laughs) Like my girlfriend will be next to me, like nudging me. And I'm like, what? Like, aren't they awesome? And she's like, ask them to be on your podcast. I'm like, oh, so yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So Molly sometimes is the greatest person to have around. If you need to be reminded to have people on your podcast, she's out, send you her email. Um, she's your executive producer. She's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> But I legitimately forget. Um, I don't know why. Like, it's not, again, on purpose. But, um, and then sometimes when I have free time, like during coronavirus quarantine, I am going to make a post and I want to, I want to get people on when I can sit down and and really, you know, like get into it and knock out a bunch of episodes and crush Mm -hmm. the rest of 2020. So um, I have people that suggest it. And it's kind of like you said, um, I just need to click. Like, it sounds kind of funny, but it's, there has to be some sort of like, I want to be genuinely excited and it's nothing Mm -hmm. personal, right? Like we just sometimes don't have that fire with everybody because I want to be excited about your story. I want to, I want to literally like be on the edge of my seat and because mine are all kind of candid, they're candid conversations and they're on the fly. And, um, and that's what I think about mine at least is like genuine and authentic. It's like, and so if I've had people on no offense to some of the people on that, I just was like, eh. <laughs> womp, womp. Yeah, literally like, where's that sound effect button? Womp, womp, womp. And I've had people say that too. Like that. Listen, it made me nervous. I'm sorry if I'm, you are womp. not one of them, Dania. You're not, you're not. That is so, fake news. <laughs> fake news. Oh boy. Um, I I feel like that's a dirty word word in our world uh, right now. <laughs> you want to know what else I feel is dirty? What? Being patriotic. I love the USA. I oh. and I I hate feeling guilty for feeling like I love I like I love it, and yeah. I hate feeling again dirty like you can be ashamed to be an american kind of thing like that feeling of it or what uh I, that's in practice because that just sparked my interest okay let's go so i i'm a, uh, i am i'm from here right like i'm american i get yeah. like and i want to be proud of that i want to be proud yeah. of our country i want to be proud of team usa right yeah. like go team usa to quote the mighty ducks um <laughs> <laughs> Such a good yeah or franchise and i feel guilty and dirty for feeling that way. Mm, interesting. Does that make sense without me having to go into further political comments? No, I, mean, I, no I, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, using social media, like you said, to bring good into the world and really try and overshadow it. And it's sad that so many of us feel like we can't identify to our country because of, you know, it's leadership and what's going on just in the zeitgeist in general. Right. And, you know, it's like we're all taking to the internet to shout these good things into the ether to try and minimize the negativity. And it's sad that that is such a large part of our identity at the current moment. Right. Yeah. Well yeah. said. 
what you just said is exactly <laughs> honestly because yeah. it's been frustrating it's be hard though. yeah it's got to be hard for you because you know you work for the nba like having that kind of that direct tie in that's such an american pastime and mm-hmm. like they know you know you work for the nba they know that's an american association so how do you do that do you travel a lot or um, like where, where did that kind of come from? Is it how- <laughs> I think, oh man, I don't know why that's been on my brain lately, but, uh, yeah. I think mostly when Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi recently, like that picture of them went viral, um, mm-hmm. where I think Sue Bird had, or Taurasi, I think has her arm on Sue Bird's like shoulder and there's a, a flag in the background and they're in their team mm-hmm. USA jerseys. And it's just like this amazing, iconic photo. And then watching Mm -hmm. a lot of it, like you said, is, is around sports and watching, um, the women's, uh, soccer team play and everything kind of that they're going through and dealing with right now when it comes to equality Mm -hmm. and fair pay. Like I want to feel okay wearing a team USA hat and a goal of mine before coronavirus came was to go and be a DJ at in Tokyo 2020 for the Olympics for Mm-hmm. and represent the USA. Um, one of my dreams as a kid was to be an Olympic athlete. And so I think that's where it comes from is like, I had so much pride in as like an athlete in team USA, like in that, like literally like that phrase, like team USA, let's go. Um, yeah. so that's where it comes from. And then I feel, I feel like weird talking about it even and and somewhat yeah. like 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 exactly how you said so much more eloquently than I can <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hard to because when you support something like that and you wear the flag and you do all of that like I the better part of my youth I spent in Arizona and it was kind of this weird mixture of like like hippie and red deck mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of you would come across a lot of people you know wearing the flag and supporting that and it's like depending on the crowd you're in it it depends on what that symbolizes and what you're co-signing right and I think that's that's kind of sad and a little bit scary yeah I I went to grad school in the Cumberland Gap Range so world world in the world in Harrogate Tennessee for a while excuse me how is that oh girl (laughs) that might be a whole different podcast um Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful there. But as a kid, I'm, I'm a city kid. Like I'm from Milwaukee. Um, and, and going to, again, I don't drink alcohol, but going to a dry County and, uh, just the campus was, I did not realize that those still existed. Yeah. It's in, well, at least when I was there, it was, um, yeah. And it's right through the, like the Bible belt and just an incredible experience. Like people are wonderful Mm -hmm. and amazing, but, um, again, like you said, just different, different demographics, different beliefs than I was ever around, mm-hmm. which is, which is good, I think, but, um, doesn't, didn't always make me feel the safest, I think mm-hmm. as a, a, a gay woman. Yeah, I'm sure that's, that's intense. That's heavy <laughs> stuff. No, no, no. Oh, I'm I totally. Woo. <laughs> 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 um, I, I always like, it fascinates me listening to you talk about living in so many different places and experiencing those demographics, because I always like sit there and I think 
the reason I'm good at what I do and working in marketing and talking, you know, demographics and things is because I moved so much growing up. I've lived in the South. I've lived in, you know, the Midwest and the West Coast and now the East Coast and kind of really getting that melting pot vibe. Do you think that's kind of played into your ability to DJ and to read the room and all of those different things? That's another cool insight that I don't think I've thought about. I I feel fortunate to have lived as many places as I have. And especially I think too, you look at basketball and where it's allowed me to have traveled. Um, Even Mm -hmm. if you just look at high school, like I got to play tournaments and it might sound silly, but as a high school kid, we were going to national tournaments in Ohio and Las Vegas and, um, just being able to experience things outside of like a three mile city radius is astounding, mm-hmm. um, because of basketball. And so now take that to the next level at Wisconsin and we're going to the Virgin islands. And I had a Thanksgiving dinner, my freshman year with John Wooden in, oh my God. yeah, which is surreal, right? Like that's, that's so cool. why would you believe me? Right? Like I, I can't, I'm not creative <laughs> enough to make that kind of stuff up. Um, But yeah, like that's what was the most amazing thing about basketball. And so I think I got hooked on that, um, that feeling of people are just amazing. And I, -hmm. and that's, like you said, I think this country is incredible and the people are amazing top to bottom, east to west. Like it's just, it's beautiful. And I love experiencing it so much. And then being able to then take it overseas as well and being able to travel and I just, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes again, like the, the cliche that, we often think we're so different, but we're more different or more similar than we are different. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think I, I've, I have been around a lot of different people and that's a, I'm gonna have to chew on that one a little bit though. I like it. I like it. It's cool. Cause I, when I personally look at dare to be in the brand that you're building, I, I am so excited to see where it goes because I do think that having it, open-ended gives people the you know it's that quote of like what is your deepest fear it's not the dark but the light Mm -hmm. um it's that idea of like giving people the opportunity to kind of search themselves and just assisting in that like it's okay to do this it's okay to come forth and be you um and I think that only comes from someone that has experienced every walk or not every walk but most walks of life within our country. Thanks. I feel lucky. Like I said, I, so that, and, uh, I grew up in a house where my mom made my lunches all the way through high school, which is, I laugh at. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the hot lunches just didn't do it for me in high school. So, um, she would write us notes and she would always end it with either to thine own self be true, um, oh. which I have tattooed on me. And, or she would end it with reach for the stars. And so I was in this space where I could, I was told that I could do anything. And then you have my mom who I think is just a kick-ass human being, an incredible woman. And now she's my mom, um, my best friend Mm -hmm. and an incredible mentor and just going out there crushing it and leading by example. And so when you're like fearless, uh, I think, and you realize that you really can do anything you put your mind to. It doesn't mean it's going to happen in the next five minutes. Some, it took me six years to figure out why I was medically registered at Wisconsin. And that meant I just wasn't ready to be a professional athlete yet And here. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I think, I think I can do anything. I think you can do anything. So 
that she was talking to you guys and you (laughs) and you I think and that's 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 what I think is so scary I think that people don't understand is that we are literally capable of anything and that's yeah I try to tell people I was a good basketball player but I wasn't great I promise you I wasn't but I worked Mm -hmm. my butt off and I just I stuck to the basics and I made it like you can't no one can take away the fact that I made it as a professional athlete nobody nope you are in the history book (laughs) it might be in Dutch and no one can find it but it happened (laughs) It happened. <laughs> so I have one more question for you, but before that, would you please take the time to tell them where they can find you, all the different fun things that you have going and what you're doing? And currently, you know, you've got some extra free time, so yeah. like, let's go. <laughs> for the foreseeable future, you can find me at my condo because we're not supposed to leave. <laughs> um, I I am on everything social media for me. I use Instagram, Facebook. Twitter. Uh, I, I'm on TikTok and I'm like toying with the idea. I'm making videos with the idea that I know I can't dance well. Um, That's the best part. Though. Is Do it? it. <laughs> yes. Yes. But everything, oh, everything is DJ Shauna, DJ S H A W N A, including my website, DJ Um, the clothing line, if you're interested, is linked to my website on DJ Shauna, but that's mm-hmm. daretobeclothing.com. Um, I also published a kid's book when I lost my stepdad that is on and in my store. And that's probably my, uh, my honestly though, my genuinely favorite project I've ever done, um, as, a, as a professional DJ, as I published a kid's book, mm-hmm. um, where all the proceeds go to a nonprofit here in Milwaukee to help our chronically homeless families and individuals called key to change in honor of my late stepdad, Joe. And it's about my late dog, Bob. So it's a cool book. <laughs> wow. Okay. Way to bury the lead. Now I want to know about the book. Oh, thanks. Uh, that is so cool. I actually, um, so during our, you know, um, our current situation with the coronavirus, I've been trying to find mm-hmm. a way to stay relevant. And I've been pretty active on my DJ page on Facebook at DJ Shauna. And mm-hmm. I actually read it on a live stream today. Um, and I'm trying, thank you. I'm trying to find ways to make sure that parents and kids that are in whole new situations kind of maybe have a break in their day and tomorrow, which I know this will already have been posted, but, um, I'm going to do a dance party. So, um, just got some different ideas going on there, but the book, um, yeah, it's, uh, it came because my stepdad, Joe, uh, was diagnosed and unfortunately passed away in about five months from stage four terminal cancer coming up at the end of this summer, it'll be three years, which it doesn't ever feel like it's that long. Um, huge influence. Thank you. I mean, it is. And and he is dearly missed and was an incredible man. But, um, I didn't ever have to grieve like that before. And so I started helping my mom out by walking, um, her dog. It's our family dog, Bob. And Bob is a girl, a yellow lab. And we roamed around downtown Milwaukee and I started shooting photos of her on my phone. And it is the epitome of, I didn't even know what I was doing and it snowballed into a kid's book. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. And I officially got an ISBN number and it's published and it's on Amazon prime as well, or Amazon, excuse me, but, um, and barnesandnoble.com, which is very surreal. But, um, yeah, the ones that are ordered from my website come directly from me and actually more proceeds 
go to key to change when it gets ordered directly from me, but, um, it's like a real, it's a real book. (laughs) Yeah. Go buy this at her website, guys. This is, that's amazing. Thank you for thinking. so. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so my last question for you is when you hear the words create good, how would you, how do you create good and how would you recommend others? I like that. Um, I like that. I like that. (laughs) I do that. That like, that makes me have feels like it's, I think, I think it resonates with me big time because I just, I want to put positivity out there. It doesn't always mean that everything is rainbows and sunshine in my world. Things are up and down, but I think there's always two things that we can control and that's our attitude and our effort. And Mm -hmm. I also find it extremely interesting on how connected we can be on social media and how a post can influence people that we don't even know that we can't even Mm -hmm. fathom. Um, I mean, and not to keep saying this, but the fact that like you and I and our worlds linked up, like, Mm-hmm. And how that happened is just, it blows my mind because D-Rock retweeted your tweet and that's how I found you, frankly, for lack of a better yeah. phrase. And that is, that's what I just think is insane is, uh, how close we are and yet sometimes mm-hmm. we feel so far apart. And so I think when we create good, you have to keep that in mind, uh, that when you put something out there it's going to make somebody feel something and how do you want to make them feel? Um, I like that a lot, Daniel. I like that. That's cool. I love that answer. Thanks. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to let me ramble. (laughs) No, honestly, I love it. It was, it was a great conversation and um, I I'm excited to see all that you do over these next couple weeks, because I do think that, you know, this is going to breed a, a whole new, le- like, creative wave for all of us mm-hmm. to be locked up. Um, and we might even use social media for the first time in the true social way. Right. <laughs> it's interesting. 